Welcome, everybody. I think Vin's out there. It looks like he is. I am. I am here. Excellent. So um, it's, they say it's minus 20 Celsius in Ottawa. I don't do Celsius, but I don't think that's warm. I don't think that's warm. Let's see. Oh, that's not hard. I don't know. Is it how, how? What's conversion? Is it like you have to divide it by 30 or something? I don't even know. <laughs> like divide by 30 and then add 19 or something. Something. Right? I don't know. Is that zero? That can't be. Yeah. yeah. It's nothing that can't be Googled. Fahrenheit to Celsius formula. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, yeah, it's way harder because you have to like subtract 32 and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's, it's like negative four degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. It's, um, so to, to go from Celsius to Fahrenheit, you need to multiply uh, by 9, divide by 5, and then add 32. Got it. Subtract 32. Let's see if we – let's see. Let's do this, okay, class? So, um, all right. So what's negative 20 times 9? That's negative 180. The beauty about Google is you just, like, type it in, and it will come out. The conversion will just come out for you, you know. Yeah, but I want to do the actual math to see if it works. So it does. I did it in like chemistry, not very successfully, but it does work. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Just, yeah, there's some real big errors in chemistry. You make the mistake, you know, things can blow up. Yeah, they didn't let us play with any of those fun chemicals when we were doing experiments. So yeah, so it's negative four in Ottawa today, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Jeez. Not good bagpiping weather. You may Not have a bit of a sharp high G today. <laughs> um, all right. So, meanwhile, uh, after our science lesson, first parade of the season this Saturday, John says, going to be freezing with possible yeah. snow. Well, that's what last week's class here. was all about. Last week's class was all about how to deal with this kind of stuff. That's right. Did, did we mention canceling the parade? <laughs> yeah. Yes, cancel the parade. Highly recommend. Yeah, everyone, everyone doesn't like moisture coming out of the sky, but, you know, extreme temperatures doesn't seem to be an issue. You know, little droplets of moisture come out of the sky and people cancel everything left and right. But, you know, if it gets really cold, <laughs> everyone says, soldier on, you know. But it's just as bad, man. Yeah, we yeah. actually... As usual, Bill is hanging out in the sand today. That must be nice. <laughs> yeah, we actually put a clause in our contract saying if it was below, like, 15 degrees, we weren't going to come. <laughs> it's just too cold. It's too cold. No, no one comes. It's like it's hard to do anything, you know. It, it, it was always funny to watch a parade when it's really cold because all the things that you want to see, like everyone dressed up in their costumes and, you know, you have your cheerleaders and you have your color guards and, and everybody's like bundled up in parkas and scarves and gloves and they're just sort of marching like this, you know, just down the street, <laughs> doing much of anything, you know. Yay! <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, a parade goes from celebrating one's heritage to celebrating the fact that you can survive the parade. <laughs> um, and everyone, people will come out to watch you survive the parade. It's awesome. That's right. It's 
honestly yeah. amazing thing about parades. Uh, let's see. I'm actually cautiously optimistic. I'm not going to be doing a single parade uh, for St. Patrick's Day. Interesting. I got a couple gigs, but no parades. Yeah, the parade thing gets gets old and tiresome after a while. You know, you know, it could be enjoyable occasionally, but after a while, you know, it's sort of like it's a duty that you do. You just gotta yeah. get over it. I think it'd be fun. You know, there's very few opportunities to play in front of people, right? As a piper, you know, and that's one of them. So you just yeah, gotta take advantage of it when are, you got it. You know. Yeah, some parades are really um, high energy as well. So. Um, so yeah, John, Indeed. I hope you have a set of poly pipes. Yeah, you could do it. You can do it with blackwood pipes. You just have to make sure that um, you keep them as dry as you can, and that you don't try not to allow any sudden temperature changes. You know, for the pipes. So don't um, don't be out in the freezing cold and then go throw them under the heater and then go back and forth a bunch of times. Absolutely. They should be fine. Yeah, that's why that's why blackwood was chosen, right? It was it was like good all around wood. It dealt with everything: heat, cold, wet. You know, it's just it's like almost indestructible that way. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the topic of the day today is must-have bagpipe music. Must-have. Um, and basically, what we're going to do is. Uh, we're going to tell you what we think, and then we'd like to hear what you guys think. But we, let, we have a couple of different categories. We have music you can listen to. We have mu like sheet music, like like music books. Um, and then I don't know what else is there. There's uh, I don't know. I guess you know, cause there's a, these days a digital collection is just as sort of meaningful sometimes. You know, I don't know what kind of yeah, digital like, thing. Whether it's like could be music, like you know, actual recorded music, or you know, sheet music, or something like that. Or YouTube um, videos. YouTube videos, yeah, yeah. You know, DVDs, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like it's 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 sort of a calls calls it's a bigger picture thing, you know, like how important is collecting media, you know, to you as a, as a musician, you know, and I th I don't think there's a musician out there who's in any way serious who doesn't sort of obsessively collect everything they can, you know. Um, to a certain degree, you know, no matter what instrument you're talking about, everyone loves to hear other players playing, you know, stuff that either they want to play or they would like to play or um, just to get other ideas and stuff, you know. So you, you go out and you just acquire things. And over time, you realize you've got a gigantic collection and some things are going to have more importance than others, I guess. You know, so I, I don't know. Um, you know, you could say your, your must-have collection is everything in it, but, you know, there's always those things that you go back to regularly, like CDs or books or sheet music or something like that you're always looking at um, repeatedly. So it's always, you're always happy you have it, you know. Um, I think I think the physical collection gets short shrift these days, you know, um, with the digital stuff, like whether it's, you know, digital sheet music or videos or recordings and things like that. I think we get, we give the sort of the physical library, um, you know, um, sort of, uh, you know, I don't know. People ignore that, yeah. I think, to their, to their peril. I don't know. I, I definitely, I mean, I'm a big fan, and, and I utilize the digital stuff uh, so often. Um, I mean, just because we have got a digital library of, of many, 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 many tunes um, that we can just access on our computers, which is 
Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So I, I do that all the time, but if I want to, if I'm bored on a Saturday, which I don't have that many Saturdays free, but on that rare occasion, um, and I want to just kind of jam out on some new material, uh, my go-to books are like the Scots Guards and the Donald McLeod collections. And I'll just kind of flip through them and, uh, you know, find a, a, a kind of a category of tune that I want to look through and just jam through something I've never seen before. Or, or, you know, I mean, this, is, this is the advantage of the print books, you know, like print is sort of, uh, you know, it's one of these things that sort of everybody's sort of pushing aside in favor of e-books and things like that. But the print collections actually aggregate all of that kind of music together in one place where you can easily see it, you know, instantly, you know, you have a digital collection, you got to sift through files and you got to open them up and, you know, unless you're like sort of scrolling through, you know, a sheet music, which often doesn't happen because most a lot of people have single files for tunes, right? So you've got folders full of single files and, you know, you're not going to sit there and open one after the other looking at tunes. But the book is still the killer app, you know, it's just it's just a, it's perfect in all ways for that kind of uh, consumption of, of information. You know, you just sort of turn the page. There's another thing instantly. You can check it out, like it, not like it, move on, you know. Um, and then, and so, you know, you have these physical books in your library, you can't go wrong. I mean, they'll set you up for a lifetime of, of music, really. Um, you know, the Don McLeod collections are definitely one of those things that I always go back to, you know, I'm always in them at some point, you know, just looking through them just to see if there's anything I haven't found out, discovered yet, you know, and there's inevitably always something. I mean, Scott's Guards is like, is like that too, you know, it's, it's, the books one and two are like the, the history of bagpiping in the last sort of hundred years, you know, um, so you can't really go wrong there. Um, the Gordon Highlanders collection are also very good that way in my, from a historical perspective, you know, they're, they have everything that's not in the Scots Guard is in the Gordon Highlanders, you know, and it's uh, one of those things that just sort of, they do just occupy a, a special place on your shelf and you should always like go there, and they're huge, you know, so, so Andrew's scribbling down things. Willie Ross yeah, collection is good. Really good. Yeah, Willie Ross is definitely definitely something if you're a competitive soloist. Uh, lots of great material in there. Um, Ed Cath, very good. Also for solo piping, solo marches, and tunes. Yeah, I'm um, trying to think of... Uh, yeah, you know one book that might be out of print by now, but um, is really has tons of great stuff in it, is um, Andrew Bonar's book. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that is one I do not have. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any the other Phony music or something it's called. Yeah, I don't know if you, I honestly don't know if you can still get it, but I'm trying to I'm looking at my uh, collection up there. Uh, that that might pretty much do it though, huh? I mean, well, and then there's all the Chris Armstrong stuff. Well, you, you know, it's, 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 you know, you sort of have to divide this into sort of categories too, like from a historical perspective, sort of traditional approach of tunes and something that you get you off the ground and running. You know, the Donald McLeod, Scots Guards, Gordon Highlanders, Seaforth, things like that are, are awesome. You know, they'll, they'll get you moving and, you know, you can play for years just using those books. You know, then you, get, then you have your new music, right, your new, new compositions, which we've seen sort of an explosion in the last 20 years or so. Um, fire in the town, I guess. Oh, the town's <laughs> on, we're setting the town on fire. The town's on fire. <laughs> but, uh... 
Yeah, and then you got, you know, sort of some new music, you know, it depends on your taste. You know, what what are you going to really go for? You know, like Bruce Gandy's books are awesome. They're, I think they're they're probably in terms of like new newish music. His his books, you know, stand far and above the rest, I think, just in terms of quality and content, you know. Um, they also have, uh, you know, another great sort of collection. bridge that traditional modern sort of, you know, sensibility, you know, and then you get like purely modern, like Mark Saul and Chris Armstrong and like people like that, you know. Chris Armstrong's collection is really good. As far as like a new collection that's been, that's come out, his his digital only release is something that you could scroll through for hours, you know, because there's lots of great tunes in there. Agreed. I uh, I like the fact that he uses interesting fonts when he prints the title. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and it's, I, I think it's by design too. Like the entire thing is black, right? So you're not going to be printing anything because it'll just going to chew up your toner, and you're going to have to spend another hundred dollars in replacing all your toner and your in your printer. So it's like you just, you just got to keep it on the screen, man, and you just learn from the screen. No sheets, no paper. <laughs> all very interesting. Can't you just send the files back and forth to each other, though? Isn't that worse? Is that worse? I mean, like, and just sending them back and forth? I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's well, it's a, it's one of those arguments, and you, know, you see that everywhere in every different sphere. You know, like, you know, every media that has had any measure of success and in, in exposure and in sales has always had some sort of you know free distribution component, which is sort of counterintuitive, but you know. It really is the sort of the necessary yeah, it's, component it's these too days. Bad. I mean, it's too bad in a way. But yeah, like that's what I, that's the thing. Like the USB release is really cool. So basically, what we're talking about is Chris Armstrong has released his book. Mm-hmm. He didn't even make a book. He just sells USB keys. Yeah, um, but what's to stop somebody? What's to stop somebody from uh, just kind of you know uh, sharing the files that way? So so it's like. Kind of There's nothing. But the thing is, it's like, you know, it's this this could go into a whole show by itself. There's there's nothing to stop anybody from doing it, but why would you? You know? Like if you would have to have a severe motivation to really do that, why would you? And also, you know, pipe music doesn't need to worry about piracy. It needs to worry about exposure as it's an obscurity, as its major hurdle. So anything that's going to increase the exposure and you know, and and diminish obscurity is probably a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So if more people that have Chris Armstrong's music in their hands, that's better overall for everybody, including Chris Armstrong, because he'll sell more books, and that's a proven fact. So there you go. Yeah, good. I think we've got a good collection of music books. Um, and by the way, uh, just as a um, – disclaimer there like i'm absolutely for purchasing that music and not sharing it that's oh a, yeah as, I mean, oh you gotta have the books man you yeah. gotta have the books and it's totally worth it i mean uh yeah. I, I mean uh, all of these modern composers it's it's amazing stuff and so yeah. uh and and the price tag is not if you if you ever went to purchase like you know uh joe blow's arrangement of the stars and stripes forever for like concert band you know you're going to be paying like 400 bucks for the for the music and the printouts and so like yeah bagpipe music just just buy it yeah absolutely yeah and it's it's all to your benefit too the 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 more the more books you amass and the bigger your library and the bigger your your enjoyment and you know in being able to just go into it and grab material you know when you want that's that's the real awesome part of it you don't have to worry about ripped off copies and stuff and i was like why would you do that why would you bother you want to have 
an archive and a library of you know sufficient quality and copied books and pirated digital files it's just you know I don't know it's just dumb okay <laughs> so anyway uh, back on topic here so we got some music books I think that's pretty much that's pretty much it for my must haves and I would I would I would add also two books that came out several years ago um, that I always seem to go back to as well is uh, William McDonald of Inverness his Glencoe collection it's book one and two there are really undiscovered gems in those both of those books um, you know the sort of styling of tunes is really good and the interesting thing is that the sheet the, the staffs and the tunes themselves are all hand written and uh, they're printed that way so all the text is sort of typeset but the, but the notes were all handwritten um, and, and sort of printed that way and, and it's really good you know it's really good you know high qualities but it, the tunes are really excellent you know from a sort of a traditional standpoint you know a lot of great tunes that you've heard before, like Vatterside Bay and the Trees of North Uist. Um, those are tunes that he's composed that are in there, things like that. Yeah. Um, all right. How about albums? How about how about albums? Albums. Jeez. Must-haves. Well, let's see. We got band, solo. I guess right. Band. All right. Let's do band P albums rock, first. Light music. Band albums. <laughs> band I mean, albums. This is Got a, it. Gotta have the worlds every oh, year. No. 78th no. Grades is live in Ireland. Well, yeah, definitely not. That'll be on the list. That is the that is the number one CD everyone must have. Yes, you have to have that. If you it don't have it, everything. you shall buy it. Um, and then uh, for me, uh, for me, a big one that uh, parallels uh, that one. Uh, it was called Alive in America. What's interesting is if, if you ask the people who were involved, they were like, oh, yeah, that was an okay concert. But yeah. for me, this it was, was in Chicago, movie. right? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, this, uh-huh. was, this was the <laughs> defining album for me, uh, you know, so that's that's a huge one for me there. And then they also have Carnegie Hall and others, but uh, yeah. for me, Alive in America is one of those definitive moments in pipe bands right. where it was like, holy crap, bands can do that, you know, that kind of thing, so – I think we should also add the 78th Frasier Live in Canada. Um, that 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 one for me, those both of those blue CDs um, were really 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 good for me. Blue CDs. Blue, yeah. Both the 78th Frasier were blue. Those CDs were blue. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know of that album. Live in Canada. Was that the Megantic Outlaw concert? That was the yeah. Megantic Outlaw. No, I meant the right. Yep. That's it. Yep. Oh, that was blue. That was yellow. No, yeah, both of the both of the CDs were actually blue. See the tone photo of the Megantic Outlaw himself. Uh, on the I, I, no, no, not on the actual. I'm talking about the disc itself. The discs were blue. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the, the album is. You're one of those guys that just sort of tosses away the, the jewel case in the paper and just sticks your. I don't know. See these. I got those those CDs from my parents who had them long before um, I was ever interested in piping, and and so I have no idea what happened to the disc jackets, but um, I had those as a kid when I first got involved in it. Yeah, that is a, that is an excellent CD. I would agree. That should be on there. I, I definitely I, like it. Favorite. I'm not putting it on the must-have list. No? Okay. Um, Another one on the must-have list is this Field Marshal Montgomery Recharged. As far as bands, uh, I would say yeah. definitely got to have that on here as well. That's been one of my favorites for in out of band CDs, 
See, I like, re- you know. I like unplugged better than recharged. Unplugged, really? Yeah. Mm, okay. I mean, needless to say, these are all must-listen-to bands. That's that's not the question. But I'm I'm asking, like, what is the actual album? If you had to purchase, let me ask you this: If you had to purchase one Field Marshal Montgomery album, what would it be? I gotta yeah, go with unplugged. Maybe, maybe unplugged would be good. I think Unplugged would be probably good. But see, then there's also Debut from back in there's like... De- I was just going to say, Debut is the other one that would I always think about. Like, uh, Yeah, Debut would win out, I think. Yeah. Like, I agree. I think that was sort of a one of the quintessential... Yeah. Um, it was one of the quintessential albums. It seems kind of maybe outdated now, but it was so, like, it was so crazy yeah. at the time. Yeah, and there's been a lot of crazy, like you know, it's it's it, you know, there's been a lot of sort of trends in pipe band concerts, you know, over the years, and I think you know, starting with the '78 live in Ireland, right? They sort of defined the change in in pipe band concerts, and it's, it's sort of like gone in different directions, and um, you know, and a lot of bands have sort of taken those directions to you know to their extreme sometimes, and you know, like um, like the old uh, Scott Rail Vale of Apple albums, you know, sort of push the envelope there. Um, you know, there's there's the uh, things like that, and then but you got Field Marshall comes out and sort of does it sort of tastefully bridging sort of both a trend and sort of starting a new one and things like that. So you have you know SFU, Field Marshall Montgomery. These these sort of like define the pin you know sort of the pivot points around the trends, I guess. Don't forget you know? about the, yeah. Don't forget about Shots too, because Shots did um, Shots and Dykehead did what was it by the Water's Edge or something? By the water's and that edge, was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. That's for me. That's a must-have. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that caught a lot of flack when it came out because it was really because it was all you know it was mostly recorded and it was a uh, lot a lot of sort of uh, you know overdubs and things like that with all kinds of instrumentation. It caught a lot of flack because it was you know Bob Matheson was sort of had his hand all over that you know and he had already at that point come out with um, you know Grace Notes and uh, you know and oh yeah Big Bro was after that as well. And, uh, you know, so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't to everybody's liking, but I, I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was cool. You know, it's, it's just one of those things like, what can you do? How far can you go? You know, and these, these albums sort of, sort of define those, those points, you know. Yeah, it's all very interesting. Um, and, and then uh, needless to say, there's a lot of classic older albums. I'm just not that familiar. So some people were talking about Invergordon Distillery. Yeah, um, and some of the Strathclyde Police albums. Like for me, that's a little bit before. That was like the one sort of generation previous to me. So I'm not yeah. entirely. Um, I do remember like listening to a lot of Edinburgh Police, Glasgow Police, mm-hmm. like stuff that my dad had on LP. So we listened to a lot of those. I just can't yeah, remember a lot of those anthology albums. You know, like lots of lots of different bands all playing together, and it was all you know six eight sets and two four march sets and things like that. It was all you know sort of. You know, good sort of party music. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Red Hackle Band. Yeah, Russell's Red Hackle. I was, I, you know, a lot of they always appeared on some all of these albums. Red Hackle. Here we go. Um, I got to add Neil Dickey and uh, oh, yeah, Nick, uh, Rob McNeil to um, to those composers down there. Okay, so anyway, pipe band albums, and then basically like any. And all of the world championships. Yes. I think the the telling thing about the world championships is to, like, for me, I've got them all on my iTunes. 
from pretty much 1987 all the way to this year. Um, and it's great to have that whole that whole long volume of where piping has been. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's the key for me. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It's great. And it's great to just sort of like randomly shuffle, you know, like and just poke and just listen, you know, and you realize, you know, just and, and you know, it all is really good. You know, even if you go back that far, it's, it's still pretty good, you know, like even by today's standards, you know. Yeah. So. Okay. So anyway, uh, we, if, if other band albums come up, that's cool. Let's move on to some solo albums because people are chiming in about them uh, here below. So we've got. Yeah. There's uh, a pretty long catalog of soloists, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's really like one of these things, like what do you have, you know, what do you put in there from, from a historical perspective all the way to the modern day, you know, and like, I don't know if you're going to s- s- stick with light music, you know, I've been sort of, you definitely the world's greatest pipers series is like you know it's good and all of that but you know you get i think recently in recent years a lot of these you know sort of the top soloists have been putting out their own individual albums their own solo albums that i think really kind of you know sort of set the bar for anything happening after it like angus mccall's live cd Stuart little's inveroran um alistair gillies yeah alistair broom all of these solos albums are like, you know, they're live recordings and they're, they set the bar, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like we just say, like modern players. Yeah. Uh, like Stuart Little, um, you know, I, I suppose I, I still consider, um, and we'll see Alice Dare or Alice Stare Gillis. I can never remember. T, I think. Alice Dare. Yeah, like he recently passed, of course, but I still consider him one of the modern players. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have Angus McCall. Uh, I'm butchering all the spelling. I can just feel it. And then you got your Willie McCallum. We could just sort of name him Willie McCallum. Um, yeah. Uh, you can find all that in the world's greatest pipers. You know, they've all got their albums along the way, you know. Um, yeah, they really do, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's always good to yeah. sort of, you know, historically look back on some of those solo performances like Angus McDonald and people like that, you know, and you listen listen to them and it's, you know, it's all good stuff, you know. Yeah, like, do you consider Royal Scots Dragoon Guards to be must-have pipe band albums? It's I kind of, for me, it's For me, it's a little bit of a no, just because um, I don't feel like they're pushing the envelope so much. I mean, they're really... I think my experience with them is they're really good sort of classic music, but it's not as someone who's on the inside, it's not something I must have. If mm-hmm. I'm on the outside of piping, it's, it is a must have. It's kind of like a, a generally speaking, amazing introduction to what piping's doing. I feel right. the same way about, um, I personally, this is just an opinion, feel the same way about the red hot chili pipers. I feel like uh, from the mainstream angle, they're like quintessential to getting yeah. people interested in piping. But as someone who plays pipes, um, I it's not something I have to have in my collection. Although I will admit that sometimes I like to turn it on and kind of jam out, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, they're very entertaining. You know, we see like, them live. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Yeah, it's really cool and, and uh, definitely relevant, but just I don't know if it's – as someone who's an aspiring piper, I don't know if it's something that is on my um, – Things. Okay, yeah. a lot of people are talking about um, instructional P-Brock stuff, like from Donald McLeod and the Nickel and Brown recordings. Yeah. 
Um, I agree, these are must-haves, but they're not really albums. Yeah, it's more, it's more like really a, like, it's more like a library instructional type tool, you know. Um, yeah. It's not something you're gonna listen to, but I will say, and if we're gonna talk about Pibrock, I would say volumes one through five, William McDonald and Inverness, as a strict sort of traditional Pibrock approach, and it, that spans are they the decades. Or are they albums? No, they're they're performances, and they span the decades of of Pibrock. Um, you know, from the 40s and 50s all the way up to before he passed, like in the 80s and 90s. Um, so it's a they're they're a really good collection. It's it's one of those collections, like you know, in terms of Pibrock, listening to Pibrock, you know, it's it's those those tracks are always ones that are always appearing when I go look, listen to tunes and things like that. They're just really good, you know. And it's it's not even sort of like they're like high quality sort of competitive level performances. They're just really good performances of Pibrock, you know, sometimes the pipes aren't in tune, sometimes he squeezes, squeals or makes mistakes, you know, things like that, but it's, it's always good, like, the, the, the tunes are just so good, he was one of the last students of John McDonald, um, and I think he was the last student of John McDonald, and, uh, and it's, it's really, it's really good, just in terms of pure Pibrock, you know, traditional, sort of pure tunes, um, and in that light, and in that vein, Donald McPherson's A Living Legend is something if you're into Pibrock, must yeah, be that's in one your class. Must, must have. Uh, I agree. Donald McPherson, Living Legend. Although uh, he did recently pass, I, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he's no longer a Living Legend. And he recorded those when he was in his 80s. Yeah, incredible. Right, so. And his bagpipe is just out of this world. <laughs> it's really it's crazy. The tunes are amazing. Okay, uh, uh, you know, I just saw a list. Some of these less, uh, less sort of traditional soloists, I agree with almost all of them. Ian McInnes, Hamish Moore, uh, Gordon Duncan, Fred Morrison, Angus McDonald, Anna Murray, and, and Gray. Yeah, Anna Murray especially is like one of those, di- you know, diamonds in the rough that you don't necessarily know about. But check out Anna Murray. She's like really yeah. awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I've given up trying to type all these out. By the way, so there you have, <laughs> there you have it—an incomplete list. Yeah. Um, like people yeah, could be a, a, a tough thing to like find, you know. Like if you're into that, like to just outside of the instructional stuff, you know, you know, you can listen to the the Nickel Brown sort of Masters of Pubraff things where you hear a ground, you know, played by uh, Nicola Brown. But you know, be, between like finding actual sort of just pure tracks of Pubraff. Um, I think anything you can find is probably something that you should probably have in your collection. You know, whether it's Donna McPherson's William McDonald Inverness, um, you know, there's a couple of sort of Glenfiddich CDs that have the Glenfiddich champions there, um, things like that, that I think should just always be in your playlist, you know. That's your thing, you know. Yeah, and there are a few CDs of P-Rock out there, yes, like Roddy's got one. Mm -hmm. Um, Alan McDonald's got a really cool um, oh, yeah. CD. Dash uh, drum, yeah, it's, it's really good. With some more obscure tunes. Um, you know, and, and by obscure, I, I mean, like, really well-researched, interesting, mm-hmm. like, older style, um, which is really cool. Yeah, it's um, very cool. Absolutely. So those are, I would say those are definitely must-haves, if that's your thing. Yeah, Doug mentions like the recordings of live concerts like Glenn Fiddick and Dr. Dan Reed. I mean, those are definitely like I said. Like if you if you're into P-Rock, I mean that's you know you should just probably try and acquire everything 
you can find um, because there's not much of it, <laughs> number one. And, uh, you know, what you do find is really pretty high level. So um, it's always good to have that on hand as, a, as your as your sort of guideline, you know. Um, it's you know, fascinating, Bill, yeah. Yeah, Bill Livingston's P-Rock Diaries are really good, too. You know, the, yeah. it's in terms of just like sort of pure listening. Um, it's really it's really just sort of a, a great series. It's interesting. I, I find that P-Rock, um, especially recordings of P-Rock competitions, um, you know, it really exposes philosophically that P-Rock is not particularly interesting to listen to in album form, right? It's almost, right. and it, you know, and, and uh, it's, I, th I, it's interesting. I would probably be crucified if anyone important heard this, but it's like P-Rock, especially modern P-Rock is so, I, I think it's closer to a sport uh, than a musical, than a musical form. Um, yeah. I think it which it, which is not necessarily bad like and I'm really into it. I love I love playing P-Rock. I I still play a lot even though I haven't competed as much in uh on a solo basis. Um but uh yeah, it's very interesting. As far as the actual competitive form, it's almost like, you know, musical style and interpretation has been stripped to like mm -hmm. the absolute yeah. to the absolute bare minimum, right? And then the, the judging qualifications has become just highly, highly technical. Um, yeah. And then, and then there are a few opinions that are imposed on. And it's, the even, and it's even weirder because today, when there's even more of a sort of a, a an open mindedness toward the music itself, yeah. even on the judges from the judges' perspective, as well as from you know people like Peabody Society, you know they're definitely when you hear them when you they talk about Peabody, you know they'll talk about all of these different interpretations and how how interesting they are and how they want to hear them and all of that stuff. But, but that's, it, it's not what happens in real life, you know? And, uh, and when, when a player goes out there and tries to do something a little bit different for a tune that may be familiar to everyone, you know, they get crucified for it, you know, and, well, and it not, pumps them out of the prize list. You know? Not if you're not like, not anything extreme. I'm talking about just the way you might hold the ease, you know, in, in, in the, you know, the, ground of first variation, like something like that might push you down to the list of fourth place rather than first, even on a glorious performance and a glorious instrument, you know? Yes and no. It depends. Your reputation dictates what you're allowed, uh, you know, what degree to which you're allowed to explore. Yes. Maybe. Oh, definitely, for sure, yeah. You know, and, I, and when I say that, I'm talking about, like, you know, um, people at the top, you know, like, and this is like when you hear them talk about Hebrew, they'll say the same things, and they'll talk about ways to play tunes and ways they would like to play tunes or the way they would like to hear the tunes play, but that's definitely not what they'll do because they know they'll get hammered for it, you know, if they ever did it, you know. But it's, you know, at the same time, from an educational standpoint, it's good to, to sort of explore that kind of stuff even. I don't know. You know, you could, you could it's, 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 it is like sport, you know. Like here's, here's your acceptable performance, but, you know, I'm going to train <laughs> in all these weird ways, you know, so that to, to explore all kinds of different ways to do things. But, you know, when time comes time, to hit the hit the slopes, you know, I'm gonna make sure I do exactly what I need to do to get down to the bottom faster than everyone else, you know. So. Yeah. And uh, and the real competitors, they do that. They figure out well, like what is the safest possible presentation yeah. of this setting. Yes. Um, what is <laughs> yeah? True. What is the most difficult to criticize interpretation, and that's the one they go with. Not necessarily what they consider to be the most musical interpretation, which is I. Which I'm not. I'm not criticizing this, by the way. I, I'm just fascinated by it. Yeah. 
you know, and, and, but it's interesting because as a, as a student of P-Rock, you know, as a, as a student and a player of P-Rock, you know, that's why having a collection of music in a variety of forms, you know, is, is, is key. I think, you know, the more you can listen to things and the more you sort of learn from that, um, the more able you are to sort of maybe do your own thing a little bit or realize where those limits lie, you know, instead of just doing what your instructor tells you to do or doing what's supposed to happen, you know, you can at least, because of your own sort of exploration, maybe, you know, figure out the reasons why all of that stuff matters, you know, right. which is good for your education, you know, as a, as a musician too. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's one of the few art forms, I'll put in quotations, that I'm aware of where carbon copying what someone else told you is uh, considered to be the, you know, the expectation. The desirable outcome, you know. <laughs> you know, you know or, or your inability to plagiarize someone else's exact interpretation, uh, you know, will dictate how well you do. Yes. Uh, exactly. Or, or will dictate how, how, um, how much esteem you're held in. Yes. Think about it, right? Like, let's, let's, let's uh, take it to a different art form. Let's say I'm in an art contest and I, and I just trace uh, Picasso and I present it to the art competition, right? I'd probably be, uh, if I wasn't suspended from school immediately, I would definitely not be eligible to right. win the contest. Well, if this uh, was the abstract, you know, painting competition, you know, open, you know, then you would have to say, you know, yes, how much, how exact, how much like Picasso can you be, you know? Well, oh no! Well, his brushstrokes here were a little off. I think I think the angles on on this lady's head is doesn't quite match what Picasso did, you know. So it's so I think uh, fourth place. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but let's say your interpretation doesn't match what my teacher said. Yeah. Picasso looks like. Yeah. It's all very right. interesting. It's it's uh, anyway. I don't know how we ended up on this topic, but uh, <laughs> it always fascinates me. Okay, uh, let's see. What other types of music do we have to cover here? Band albums, we got must have band albums, we got solo albums, P Rock. Uh, that's pretty much it. New stuff. No. Digital. Any digital YouTube videos that everyone has to have in their bookmarks? I have a solo a performance of Gordon Walker playing from somewhere. I don't even know where it is. And it's from like 2009. It's awesome. It's, just awesome. it's always there, and I always pop it. Like when I'm on YouTube, I'm on it. So I just play it. It's like it's only like nine minutes long, not even. It's perfect. Yeah, it's great. He does a hornpipe of Fiddler's Rally, which is really good. It's he goes he goes from Fiddler's Rally to Jagan into the hornpipe arrangement, which is awesome. You know. Yeah. Um, I there's a recording of Angus um, McCall playing the Red Speckled Bull that I just I have to go and listen to like once a week. <laughs> was it was it like a recital or something? Was it? It's not a competition, is it? It was. It was some sort of. Well, I don't know. Let me see if I can still find it. It's been a while, but so I haven't done it every week. But just, yeah, he does a good job with that tune. Like, there's a good example of somebody trying to like you know sort of impose their own little mark on on a tune like that, and does a good job at it. You know, just just enough, <laughs> just enough to like win the prizes, but not necessarily too much to you know raise a brow and. Give him a second. I think he beat um, a couple years ago. He beat Jack Lee in the clasp playing uh, that tune. I, I think that's just one of his, uh, you know, quintessential. Jack Lee had an awesome performance. It was like it was he did War and Peace. It was just glorious. And uh, but then uh, Angus did Rush Speckle Bull. I think no one can beat him on that tune. I think. 
Yeah, I can't find it anymore. Who knows, it may have been taken down. Doug says, all of my non-pipe members seem to feel obligated to send me the YouTube of the guy with the mohawk playing the flaming pipes. Yeah, but then, you, you know, you have to send them, like, a clip of Ross Angeli and Charlotte Henderson playing Thunderstruck on border pipes and alien pipes, and then, you know, you sort of win the argument there. <laughs> so. Yeah, I get the Darth Vader playing bagpipes on a unicycle all the time, too. I love Darth Vader on the unicycle playing the bagpipes. Don't don't slag the unipiper. <laughs> His Gandalf routine is cool, is cool too. Does that include bagpipes or not? <laughs> the flaming guy with on the, with the mohawk, I, I could do without. But the the Darth Vader mask and the pipes, it's just like it's too goofy not to like. You have to like it. You have to. Did we forget the Australians, um, James? If we did, which ones did we forget? Master Blasters. Master Blasters. Oh, oh yeah, jeez, Louise. Yeah. We can't forget that. You can't. I'm sorry I wasn't there to keep you on the straight and narrow. Yeah. That concert, that, that concert actually, it's a, you know, live concerts, <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of good ones over the years, but that one probably, you know, I don't think anyone's ever gone to the extremes that Vic Police went to in the, that year. It was It was pretty sick. <laughs> you know, musically it was great, but they had all kinds of other wacky stuff going on. It was really, it was just, you know, out there. Yeah. Mm, I'm just reading some of these comments. Uh, anyway, we'll have to do a follow-up to this um, in a little, in a uh, few weeks or a few months and uh, see what else we come up with. Marty mentions, uh, Marty, Marty mentions one CD for Glenn Fittick for 207 bucks. What, the, the competition CD? For 200, I think you just need to troll eBay more. <laughs> like, find it for cheaper than that. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, they're probably out of print. Yeah. Some lucky guy's going to sell that for 207 bucks. I don't know. You can get a lot of this stuff on on uh, iTunes as well. Like, for some reason, it's like a lot of this older sort of more out-of-printish kind of uh, music is there, you know? Like, a lot of the World's Greatest Pipers series is out there. Like, you can download it and buy it in iTunes. I don't know who's selling it, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's there. I'm watching the epic bagpipe malfunction. Oh, I have to watch an ad. That's cruel. <laughs> oh, I've seen this one. What kind of what, it's just uh, just to close things uh, up? What kind of new like actual see, new that's stuff? Just, that's just bad bagpipe maintenance, folks. That's classic classic <laughs> lesson. First of all, yeah, you should tune your pipes before you start to play. And second of all, you have to make sure you have enough hemp on the bass drum, such that if it touches something, it doesn't fall off. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, thank you for bringing that to us to our attention. It does get better though. I resent the fact that this is a funny CD, a funny scene. <laughs> yeah, digital. Well, Robert says digital stuff, like digital must-have stuff. That's, it doesn't necessarily music necessarily, but yeah, like bagpipe players or bagpipe music writing programs, things like that. Definitely something worth having. 
I would say also you keep your eyes out for like for the new stuff that's coming out these days. A lot of these bands, for some reason, I guess maybe it's just a a trend or maybe it's a thing for marketing purposes, but a lot of them are releasing their books of tunes, like Treacherous Orchestra has a whole book of their their music, you know. So all the stuff that you're hearing on the CD is all there, written out. Um, Ross Ainsley is another one, you know, who's also in Treasure Talk. So he came out with his book, Homemade Tunes, last year. Um, you know, stuff like that. Fred Morrison's been doing the same thing lately. I mean, these 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 are things you should keep an eye out for. What's it? Yeah, he's got two of them, right? Um, but it's just a, something to keep an eye out for, rather than sort of keep your gaze focused on all the big players and and the mainstream piping scene. You sort of look out at these other sort of musicians doing stuff, and, and they're coming out with a lot of great material, something that's definitely worth having in your collection, you know. I'm just looking up the uh, Sibelius bagpipe plugin. Does that work well? Does anybody use that? I'm thinking about toying around with that. It was developed by, uh, with help from Jim McGillivray, so... Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to like purchase Sibelius. Yeah. You know what else works? A pencil and piece of paper. That works. Oh, stop. Don't talk nonsense. <laughs> I'm stripping it down, man. I'm going. I'm going back to basics. That's it. Then I don't think you've seen my handwriting. It wouldn't work. <laughs> Physically, would not work. <laughs> yeah, man. It's 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 still like the thing. Like when you have a folder full of music, I, I have to think. Like you know, I'm, I mentioned William McDonald's books uh, before. Like you look at the pages; they're all handwritten. So at some point, the guy spent his time scrolling out tunes. You know, in their final form, mind you, not just notes, you know, in their final form on staff, you know, with a pen, you know, and had a stack of tunes, you know, that was his thing. That's what he did. And that's what people did back then, I guess. You know, when you wanted to have your collection, you had it written out, you know, um, you know, and it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, I don't know, it just adds an interesting dimension to the whole sort of music thing, you know. Yeah, like note mistakes and yeah. incorrect inconsistencies and ink all over your hands and time where you could be playing bagpipes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm not going to give in to this. I think it is so much better to have the stuff. Hey, you don't need to convert me because I, I, I've, been, I've been, I type out everything, you know, in Celtic okay. types and it's all sitting in folders and it's like, you know. But, you know, you have to think, like, when you want, again, when you want to go look at it again, you got to open up the program, open up the file, and, you know, I don't know. And when you want to review anything, you got to... You should save it all in PDF, then, and then you can just pop it right open. (laughs) You know, know, for for me, you know, it's like doing, doing like, the small small tune stuff on on Pipehacker. It's like, you know, I've got, you know, a digital library of, of old books and stuff like that that's, like, growing every day, it seems... Um, you know, so I'm definitely, you know, bridging all worlds here. I got looking at all the old archival stuff in digital form and, you know, it, and I have to, but I, so I, I'm, I know keenly <laughs> what it takes to eat, you know, rather than flip the pages of a book versus, you know, scrolling through PDFs, you know, looking at tunes and, and things like that. So 
you know, they both have their, their positive things, but I think some have more negatives than others, depending on what, you, what you're after. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Well, l- why don't we use that awkward pause as an opportunity to wrap this up for today? <laughs> yes. And everyone can go out and sort of start amassing their libraries and building their collections now. No time like the present. Uh, and not coincidentally, all sorts of music books are on sale today, 15% off at the dojo, which actually is a coincidence. No one <laughs> could have seen this coming. Yeah. Unless Carl actually unless Carl actually looked at the dojo you scheduled for the week, which he clearly didn't when he made the daily deals. Yeah. No, so, that would have been no. That's, that's hey, too organized. Come on. I, I will offer this word of advice, you know, not to sort of take business away from you, but like whenever you're going out to the games, never pass by the booth that seems like it's selling a bunch of cheesy Scottish or Irish garbage. Because inevitably, and I and I and I can test this in personal experience, there's like an old oh, hello Rocky. There's an old um <laughs> there's an old book. Like I found I found both Edcath books doing that for like three bucks each, like five bucks each or something like that. It was like, it was ridiculous. I found uh, at least one Donald McLeod book that way. And, you know, so it's just like one of these things that just sort of ends up in somebody's inventory. So they go to the games and they throw it on the table and they stick a, like a sticker or five bucks or something on it, you know, trying to get rid of it. And uh, inevitably that, you know, so never know what you might find at the games yeah, when you're walking around. giving away my secrets. I know. God, how could you do that? <laughs> now we're gonna have to race. Now we're gonna have to fight each other, and we get to the, get to those tables. I'm gonna have to get there really early now. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're gonna need to find some other way to purchase inventory for the Piper's Dojo. Now that <laughs> it works for CDs too, I might add. Anything that might be out of print. Ben, come on, cut it out. Hey, come on, spread yourself, man. Uh. Uh, there you go. There it is. Marty uh, just gave us a great compliment. So on that note, um, having made everyone's day today, we'll wrap it up. And we'll see everybody again next week for yep. another semi-exciting episode of Dojo Universe. Well, have a good day, everyone. Take care. See you later, guys.